be okay. Good, you'll be good. I want to get a little bit interactive with you this morning, if that's okay. Um, so it may mean you have to give a bit of feedback. Let's start by, why don't you give me your best smile? What's the best smile you can give me? Come on, that's some, there's some terrible smiles in here. Come on. Like some pro, I want to see your teeth. No, no, no. So, like, let me see your teeth when you smile. Ready? Go on. Three, two, one. Smile, cheese. Nice. Right, I'm going to ask you a question to get us off and running, okay? I want you to talk to the person next to you about what would be, the night, what would be your nightmare job? If there was any job in the world you would just hate to do, what would it be? Go on. Why don't you chat to your neighbor about that one? Right. That's enough time. That's enough time. I'm going to come around. I'm going to ask some people what their nightmare jobs were. Let's be interact. Go on, Simon. What would be your nightmare job? Working in a call center. Working in a call center. It's not that bad. Well, I just want... I just want let, let me put a disclaimer out. We're not criticizing anybody's career here. We're not saying, oh, I work in a call center. What are you saying? We're not saying anything like that. We're just saying this is, a, go on. We'll come around. What, Judy, what, what would be your nightmare job? Cleaning drains. Cleaning drains. Oh, have you seen them people that clean, what are them things called? Fatbergs. Is that what they're called? You know, is that what you're talking about? Oh, that is grim, isn't it? You know, what my nightmare job would be would be a dentist. I couldn't think of anything worse. No disrespect to any dentist here. Love what you do. Do a great job. But it's just not for me. I wouldn't want to have my fingers in somebody else's mouth. I just, I wouldn't want to be the guy that pulls out a four-week-old piece of chicken from some guy called Jeff's mouth. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't like to be me. But that's not even the worst part about being a dentist, I don't think, in my opinion. It's the breath. Like, I can't, like, it's a job that you spend all day smelling other people's breath. I couldn't think of anything worse. I'm one of those weird people in life, well, just, in, just generally, but for this reason, because I like my space. I'm one of them people who just likes their own space a little bit. Anybody with me? Anybody kind of like, sort of like, a bit more sort of like in their own space? I like, like to have my space. Sort of, like, sort of like, I like to, I'm quite a tall guy, so I have difficulty getting in some smaller sort of environments. So I've, I've never really enjoyed them. Um, and the thing is, maybe, you could, maybe some of you, anybody that's quite tall knows what I'm talking about. For some reason, when you're in a small environment, you feel more... Scared, I don't, I don't know why. But there's not, I've realised this in life, that not everybody shares my opinion. Just a tip for you, you can write a note on that. Not everybody agrees with you, do they? Some people like to intrude on your personal space. Do you know what I mean? They come and sit on the bus, don't they? And they sit, seats everywhere. Right next to you. you know, like their legs basically touching you. It's the people who lean in when they're talking to you. you know, they lean, and like a little bit of spit's coming out on your face. And it's not like, it's, not really it's the people like your great uncle Hank, who you see this Christmas. And he comes around and all he eats for breakfast and lunch is kippers. That's all he eats. And he comes over to you and he, and he sort of like whispers in your ear. And you can't really understand what he said, but you laugh anyway. Even though you're pretty sure it may sort of be, maybe be a bit racist, but it's Uncle Hank. And you kind of sort of like, like come on, Hank, that's not really right, but I can't understand what you're saying. Your breath stinks of fish. It's not really great. And my general rule in life is this, is that if I can smell your breath, you're a little bit too close to me. Yeah, a little bit too close to me. And that can change. That distance can change varied on what you've had for lunch or uh, how your oral hygiene is. There's a couple of people in the first couple of rows that want to be me. Let me give you an itinerary of, of where we're going this morning. Is we're, I'm just going to talk about the breath of God. I launched, an, a, like I said earlier, called Breathe. It was a great night. I'll come on to explain a little bit more about it. But I just want to give you an idea of what, what we're going to talk about, where we're going to go. First, we're going to start off by working out what is the breath of God. What does the Bible say? How can we have the breath of God living within us? And then what do our lives look like if we've got the breath of God in us? And then finally, 
we're just going to let him, we're just going to let God come and breathe on us a little bit. We're just going to have some time for ministry. So hopefully that's okay. I wonder if I asked you what the longest you've held your breath for, you'd say. Maybe you'd say 30 seconds. Maybe you'd say 40 seconds. On average, this is what doctors say, that after one minute without breath, this is the effect that not having breath has to you, your brain cells begin to die. After three minutes without breath, serious brain damage is likely. After 10 minutes, many brain cells will have died and the patient is unlikely to recover. After 15 minutes, your body has all but shut down and it's virtually impossible for you to survive. Breath is vital. I remember on the 2nd of September, it was my first day of work in this place. I came, youth passed, I was like, yes. I like, came along, I bought a pencil case and everything to like, sort of like get involved. And I was getting, getting on some work. And I remember I went off to Greg's, which is like new, because where I work in my other job, there's not really near too many good food establishments. So I went to the Greg's around the corner. And I was like, yeah. And I, and I was coming back from Greg's, and I took a phone call. Um, and it was from Dad. And Dad was down in Plymouth Hospital with Nath. Nath had just had an operation on, 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 his, sort of on his sort of like lungs and stuff. And they sort of like think they got it. And he, he had a little bit of infection, but they were happy it was going to clear up. And he says this to me. He says, Josh, you need to come down right now. Because we're not sure, the doctor's saying they don't know how many hours Nathan's got left. He's taking a real turn for the worst and he's not in a good way. We go down, thankful to John and Angela who picked us up because mum and dad wouldn't let us drive down to Plymouth. Uh, we drive down, we get into the hospital, you, you sort of get into the ward. They don't let you in straight away, he's in a really, really bad way. Eventually you get let in with him, you get to go and see him. You see him face down, which basically means it's last chance saloon, they don't know what else to do. He's lying face down, he's kind of faces up one side. He's got a lung infection, which essentially is causing, that means that he can't both, his lung can't fight off the infection and also oxygenate the blood around the body. So he can't do both at the same time, which is why he's in such dire straits. And if he doesn't pull it together, if he doesn't get his breath back in the next sort of like couple of hours, he, he was going to be a goner. And I sat at the end of Nathan's bed and I realized the importance of breath in that moment. Maybe you've sat in a moment a little bit like that one. You've realized the importance of breath. I remember sitting there and then in my baby brother's bed, watching him on the verge of life and death, trying to breathe for him. You know, that's a weird thing. You're almost trying to breathe on his behalf. Breath is important. It's vital. It's vital to our body's survival. God's breath is vital to our spirit's survival. It's really important. And there is a separation between the breath that's vital to our natural survival and our spiritual survival. And I'll explain what I mean by that. We've got to go right back to the beginning of time. We're going to go back to Genesis. And we're going to read from Genesis 2.7. It says this. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The Hebrew word for breath there is neshama, which literally means breath. It literally is the breath in our lungs. Okay, but before that in Genesis, there's another use of the word breath, but it's a different word in Hebrew. Okay, in Genesis 1-2, it says, it says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That word there for spirit in Hebrew is ruach. That means breath and spirit. You can't actually separate the two. They, they, they are one together. They're accumulated. And that is used over and over and over again in the, in the Old Testament. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and he says this. He says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He splits. He splits the, the natural life of our body and the life of our spirit. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. You know what it means? Breath. It means the breath. It means the spirit. It means the wind. The say exactly the same as Ruach. So it's just the, this, all the way through this Bible. It's the running theme. What is the breath of God? What's well, the spirit of God? It was there in the beginning. And it's still here today. 
That's, that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to focus on the breath of God. I want to focus on the Spirit of God. And I want to talk about how we can have the Spirit of God in our lives. And in order to do that, we're going to read from the passage in John 20. And we're going to put it up on the screen. But just to give you a bit of context, Jesus has come. He's lived a perfect life. He's died on the cross. He's taken the sins of the world. He's, the curtain has torn. The separation between God's presence and us has torn in half. And three days later, he rises again. At the tomb, he meets Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene goes and tells the disciples she's seen Jesus. Then this happens from verse 19 of John 20. It says, that Sunday afternoon, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, the people who had just killed Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He literally breathes on them. I've been, I've been really getting into the sort of the words, sort of the Greek and the Hebrew words. You'll see what I'm talking about. But there's a really, really interesting bit. Obviously, that word there that says receive the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit is the pneuma. That's the breath of God, yeah? But the word just before, the receive word, is a word is, which is in, in the Greek, lambano, which means this, to actively take hold of what is available. It's, it's much more than receiving, to actively take hold, there's action required. Sometimes when we, if, I, if Jemima receives a present from me, I give it to her. I'll just put it on her lap. She's got to take it. And it's the taking that's important. There's a real, when I, as I was studying it, there's a real emphasis on the assertiveness of the receiver. We need to be people who are assertive. To take hold, to take hold of what has been made available. Jesus has made the Holy Spirit available to us. The very presence of God. There's a, there is an action on our half. We have to accept it. We have to take hold of it. Well, how can we do that? How can we do that? Well, first, we've got to draw near to Jesus. The only way that you can experience my breath in this room, not that you may, may not want to, is if I breathed on you and I was close to you. If I breathe now, man, did you feel it? Didn't feel it, did you? Why? There's no proximity there. There's no closeness. If I go up to, I'm not going to breathe in your face, Matt, because it's weird. But if I was to go up to Matt and breathe on him, he'd be able to feel the effects of it. And the disciples, I wondered a little bit why, sort of like, why the disciples were the ones that were breathed on. Why in, in John 20, why were they breathed on? In Acts 2, why were they the ones that were filled? And it's just, they were close to Jesus. They'd walked with him. They'd heard his words. They'd lived his words. They'd seen him die. They were in relationship with him. I have some kids who come to youth on a Friday who have an interesting relationship with the police. It's true. It's true. And, it's like, and they give it the big talk. You know, they give it the big chat like, oh, I'm not scared of, pl- I'm scared of nothing. I'm scared of nothing. And all of a sudden, a police car comes past. And sometimes they'll say silly things until it pulls over because it recognizes us. And it's the local PCSO Will. And as it pulls over and comes in, I turn around, I say hello to Will, the PCSO. I turn around, and the kids have scarpered. They've gone. And sometimes we're a little bit like that in our relationship with Jesus. We can talk the talk from a distance. We can come to church. We can play the church games. We can put our church smile on, have a good time, have a coffee. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, do we want that closest relationship with him? Because this is what happens when you get close to Jesus. It gets a bit uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes as we draw near to Jesus, we're like, we, we, we become more aware of the stuff in our lives that's not great. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like these kids and we're like shooting off. We give it the big talk, but actually, do you want to draw near to Jesus? Do you want to be somebody who has the, the breath of God, the presence inside of us? You've got to be near to Jesus. 
Let's not be running away, even if it gets uncomfortable. You may be uncomfortable this morning, and if you are, it's okay. It's actually good, because it means that the Holy Spirit's trying to do something in your heart. It's important. Don't run away from it. And the great thing is that you don't need to be ready. You don't need to be ready. You don't need to have it all sorted. Sometimes I feel like in life, we feel like we have to have it all sorted. We've got to have it all together. You don't need to, you don't need to have it. You just need to be willing to receive. You've just got to be willing to take hold of it. That's what the Christmas story is all about. You're know, you willing to house the presence of God. It's a crazy story. I think it's absolutely bonkers. It's my favorite thing about Christmas because it's just so like, amazing that the Son of God, the, the God of everything, of heaven and earth, would come to earth, to a broken humanity, just so that he could be in relationship with you. And where does he come into? Well, he doesn't come into a palace he doesn't come into a luxury hospital. He comes into a dirty, a dusty, a smelly stable. A place that probably had excrement on the floor, and that's not a joke. It's not a place where a human should have been born into, let alone the Son of God. But God chooses to send his Son into that environment. And I couldn't understand why, and I preached on it last year, but I just want to say it again. As I read that passage, I realized something about that stable. I realized that was me. That stable was my life. It was a life full of dirt. It was a life full of dust. A life that smelled. I did stuff, all the stuff wrong. It's sin. Jargon for stuff we've done wrong. I've fought stuff wrong. I've done stuff wrong. But Jesus chooses to come and live in me. It's, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that God chooses that place for Jesus to breathe into a room? A, a room that didn't deserve it. He chooses that room. There are rooms of people in here, there's lives of people in here where Jesus has spoken his life into places that you didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. He did it in day, when Jesus was born, he breathed into that room. It didn't deserve to have him in there. And he's been breathing into our lives ever since. What a miracle that is. That really is a miracle. This morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity, every single person in the room, you can take hold of that Holy Spirit. You can take hold of that breath of God. And it's not just for today. And that's the great thing. It's not just for today. Sometimes I feel like when we, I'm really passionate about the Holy Spirit because I believe it's something that actually, you, this isn't just for you. You'll take it out into your weeks and this will change your life. And I'll talk about my story a little bit later on of how it changed mine. But sometimes we can treat Holy Spirit like a trip to Alton Towers. And we go along once a year or, or, every, or sort of every couple of months and we have a nice time and we get the picture and we get the t-shirt that says, I've been to Alton Towers. But it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about relationship. Your wife wouldn't be happy if you only spoke to her one hour every week. You may have a good time. You may enjoy that sort of relationship. But actually, it wouldn't be a good one. It wouldn't be a good one. We've got to be in relationship. Let's not just even just have relationship with him, but let's be dependent on him. What? We're dependent on our breath. If you didn't have your breath, you'd die. But sometimes with spirit, we take, treat him as a commodity. Something we can t- have, have or leave. Or, or take or leave. But he should be the thing we are dependent on. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in us? This is where it gets really cool. This is what the Bible says. It says this in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the breath of God, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a pretty good life. If your life looks like that's pretty good, does your life look like that? When you go into your workplaces, do those traits, those fruits shine out of you? Do people see, are you loving? Are you kind? 
Even let me challenge you a little bit. If you're the only Christian in your, your workplace, you should be the most loving person, the most joyful person, the most peaceful person, because you've got the spirit and you've got something they don't have. And if you're not, you need to be asking yourself the question, why? And I would suggest getting yourself back into the presence. Getting yourself in that time of being refilled. I don't care if you've been refilled a hundred times. Again, 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 again. You know, Acts 2 is just the start. The book of Acts, they receive the Spirit many more times after that. Sometimes we just take it as an isolated incident, but it's an over, it's a repeated thing. And what I've learned about spending time in the presence is I love who I am when I spend time with Jesus. When the breath of God breathes into me, I'm the best version of myself. I'm the nicest. I'm the kindest. I'm not being arrogant here. I just, just recognize it in myself. I'm more loving. I'm more peaceful. That's the place. We've got to live in that place. We've got to live in that place. And let me tell you, the enemy will do everything that he can to distract you from getting there. He will, he's doing it this morning. Let me tell you, in your minds, there's things that you're thinking about that aren't this. There's things that are distracting you from the things that the Spirit wants to do in your lives. And you need to put them to a side and recognize, actually, that's the work of the enemy. And decide that, actually, I'm going to pursue the things of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to actively take hold of what God has for me this morning. Whatever that may be. I don't care if you've been to church for the first time or the millionth time. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to make a decision to take hold of that spirit that is available to me today. Well, apart from the fruits, what else do you have? Well, if you have the breath of God in your life, you have this, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the spirit comes upon you. You have the power. You have the power. You have the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's Romans 8, living inside you. I mean, that's powerful. The power that overturned death. You have power in your life to see breakthrough in situations. You see, have power to see healing, to see restoration, to, to see deliverance. Maybe you need that this morning. There, there's a, you can have that power. We often harness the power, and we almost like use it like a leash, don't we? And like the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you pray for that person at your work who's got a bad back? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Like, what, what, what if it goes wrong? What, what, if, what if she bursts into tears? And the Holy Spirit's like, come on. You have power. We can see healing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And let me say a massive caveat about everything I've talked about this morning. It's not about you. It's, never been a, it's not ever really been about you. It's about the royal us. People need this. You are filled to help others be filled. You know, God just wants to empower you. The Spirit just wants to equip you. The breath of God wants to equip you to go out and do that stuff. And we've got to be really careful that we don't just receive, receive, receive without giving. And that we don't just give, give, give without receiving. That balance is vital. Because if you just receive, 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 and you never give... And you get fat and greedy as a Christian in the Christian service, yeah? You're, just, you're so used to taking it all in, and actually your faith becomes stagnant because it's designed to be a flowing river that not just comes in and out of you all the time, continuous infilling and out, outflowing. Don't just become stagnant. James 5 says, you know, faith without works is dead. It's pretty strong. He says some strong stuff in that, in that book. But it's true. It's true. Also got to be aware of the other trap of not just giving without receiving first, because then you enter burnout, or the trap of ego comes in. And you've said, well, you know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been giving out loads, you know, I've been giving out for years, I've been giving out for years, years, and almost you forget about, I don't have time to spend time with Jesus, I don't have time to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the breath of God, I need to be doing this, and that, and this, and that, and you've made it about yourself. And it's not about you. 
It's not about you. It's about giving and receiving. Can I tell you, mate, do you want to jump up on keys for me? We're going to come into the land. Let me tell you my story, what it looked like for me when I experienced the breath of God for the first time. If you know anything about me, you know I come from a pretty Christian family, uh, a good, good Christian family. Mum and dad have been involved in leadership for as long as I've been alive. They've run youth camps, kids camps, sort of this church. If you, if anything you can do in church, they've, they've been there really, name it. I've been around it. I just, I've, been around, I've been in church from the first, first year I was born. I remember I got to the age of 10 and I hated church, to be honest, at that point. I don't know why. I, I, just, I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't know why, actually. I wanted to play football with my mates because that's what they did. And I, I, so I came to church and I, I'd learned how to play the church game. I'd come in and I'd put my best smile on. I'd, I'd say the right things in Sunday school. But really, like, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know anything about it. I knew that like, my mum and dad knew God, but I didn't know him. And away from church, I was, I was a compulsive liar um, at school. I told all my friends I was, I was really big into sports, uh, but I wasn't very good. But I told them that I'd got into all these things. Oh, I played play for the Extra Chiefs Academy in rugby. No, I don't. I never did. I played for Devon in cricket. No, I didn't. I'd say anything to fit in. I'd do anything for a laugh. Just to be part of the popular kids. And I was. And I was. You see, whilst I was acting a really cool kid or trying to be cool and trying to fit in, behind it all, I was just a scared little boy. See, fear had a hold on me. I was scared of everything. You name it, I was scared of it. Scared of the dark, had a nightlight. I was scared of burglars under my bed. Like, like not just like, like, like a child might be just usually, but I was check it like repeatedly sometimes. I was scared. I was scared of not fitting in. I was scared of what if people don't like me. 11 years of age I went to this camp and I sat in a service like you today and some guy was at the front like I am and he said if you want to experience the presence of God then why don't you come forward I didn't know what that meant really I didn't really know what that meant but I just felt something inside of me that told me to go forward so I went forward and I, I stood at the front and some guy who I'd, I'd never met I've never met since and I couldn't tell you what he looks like come and prayed for me put his hand on my shoulder and as he began to pray, I felt this peace wash over me. This love. Something that I've never experienced before. And in a second, that fear, the anxiety just became washed away. I went back to school that September. I started a new school. I was a different boy. I was in every church program I could get to. Even the ones that I probably, wasn't, probably weren't aimed at me, I was there. I'm still, I maintain that to today. I'm passionate about this place. I love it to bits. I was different. I went to school. I brought one friend to church, became a Christian. I brought another. I brought another. I brought another. We had to get a minibus to start bringing us from school to youth on a Friday night. I was changed. I'd moved from being somebody who was influenced by others to somebody who influenced others. And that's what the presence does. I don't know what your story is in here today, but I know that the Spirit you need an encounter. Maybe you had one last night, doesn't matter. There's something new for you today. God's always doing a new thing. And so don't exempt yourself. Every single person in this room, even if you haven't listened to anything I've said apart from the game, you switched off after that. It doesn't matter because actually God wants to do something in your heart as well. Will you stand with me a second and we're going to pray. 
I want you to know he's made his self available for you. You've just got to take hold of him. You've just got to take hold of him. Maybe you, you've experienced the Holy Spirit a long time ago, but it's been a while, and to be honest, you, uh, you, need, you need a refreshing. I spoke to a 12-year-old girl who came to breathe last night. I said, did you have a good night? She said, I feel so refreshed. I said, wow. That's what he wants to do. It's so simple. Sometimes we complicate it. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you've never heard. Maybe it's like me that when I was that sort of 11 years old. I didn't really know what the Holy Spirit was. Or oh, the presence of God. What is that? What is the breath of God? I don't know. But actually, there was something inside of me that knew I had to respond to what was being said that, that morning, that evening, whatever it was. And that maybe you've got the same inside of you. Maybe you've been playing church games and you've been coming along and you've been putting the face on, but in your heart, you know that's not really what's going on. You know that actually really you're not feeling it. You're not feeling it and you need to, you just need to feel, you just need to know that actually you need to experience the presence of Jesus in your life. You don't have to earn it, you don't have to deserve it, you just have to be willing to take hold of what is available. So everybody close their eyes a second. And if you just want to receive the Holy Spirit in any capacity for the first time, for the 477th time, just put your hand up in the air. Put both hands up in the air actually. And the reason we stand like this is an act of submission. We're saying we're completely open to what you've got for us. And we're not going to sing for a second. We're just going to pray and then we're just going to wait, if that's okay. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on us. words that he's been speaking for a long time and if he's speaking something into your heart I want you to make note of it in your brain and I want you to respond to it by saying yes God or expand it if you're not sure what that means just ask him to expand it a little bit more
your presence, Jesus. if you're particularly feeling the Spirit's doing something in your heart, why don't you ask the person next to you just to, just to pray for you? He might want to bring healing to you today. He might want to bring restoration. He may want to bring peace to the fears. That was a word that we spoke about earlier, fear. Just grab the person next to you. Will you pray for me? Jesus, we pray that fear has no hold in this place. suffice you forever you're going to need to be filled again in the week but it's a starting point so God just more we thank you for what you've already done we thank you for the words that are being spoken into people's hearts we thank you for the healing and the restoration that you're starting and God as we begin to sing we just make ourselves complete and open vessels to you that we'll be full and overflowing that it just can't help but pour out onto our neighbours and to our colleagues to our family, and to our husbands, and to our wives, and to our children. Jesus will just overflow just the peace, the love, the joy that you've got for us.